Chapter Two of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, Apriling. The clock on the church tower was striking the hour of three when Mrs. Pettibone locked the door of the parsonage behind her, with a pleasant consciousness of the spotless order reigning within, and of the willow basket filled with tidy white rolls against the morrow's ironing. Mr. Pettibone would not arrive from Boston before seven. She had, therefore, three hours of well-earned leisure before her. What use to make of her brief holiday, Mrs. Pettibone had not yet decided, as she hurried down the long street under the tossing maple blossoms. Always there were parish calls to be made, as Mrs. Buckthorn and other influential ladies of the church had kindly pointed out. "'We've done without a pastor's wife for seven long years,' Mrs. Scrimger reminded her, and I will say Mr. Pettibone has been faithful. But I guess there's some that would just as soon he'd stayed single. It made it kind of interesting to widows and single ladies, even if he didn't pay em no special attention. I don't know as you'd noticed it, but there's several I could name that hasn't darkened the doors of the church since you was married. Mrs. Pettibone passed in meditative review two or three old ladies who had, to use their own forceful phrase, been housed up all winter. Or perhaps she ought to improve the opportunity by calling on the widow Grover, who had not for more than a year been present at prayer meeting, where once she had been a conspicuously bright and shining light. It was true that the widow Grover had not, during a like period, called at the parsonage, but no doubt it was her duty, as the wife of the pastor, to present, as it were, the blameless sacrifice of her shrinking person upon that lady's hair-cloth sofa. She sighed, as with guilty haste she passed the corner of the street where dwelt the widow Grover. Then, almost before she was aware of it, the houses of the village, which had appeared to level curious and observant eyes upon her, melted quite away, and she was in the open country, with the wild wind blowing all about her, and brilliant masses of snowy cloud overhead, shining against the intense blue of the sky. There were song sparrows flittering athwart the brown pastures, and the piercing sweet voices of meadow-larks, calling and answering from distant fields, where already the naked earth was upturned to the fruitful sun. The road wound steeply upward in wide curves from the lap of the valley, where lay the village of Innisfield, its rows of houses shining warmly amid the leafless trees. Almost at her feet, or so it seemed to the woman on the hillside, the steeple of the Presbyterian church pointed skyward like a thin white finger. Near it she could just make out the dull brown walls of the parsonage, half hidden in shrubbery. Then, quite calmly and simply, she found herself thinking of the hidden picture. He had not meant that she should see it but from henceforth she would be aware of it, like an invisible presence in the room. Did he often take it from its concealment, she wondered? And did he still mourn in secret over the dark, softly fringed eyes and the sweet, pensive mouth with its wistful appeal? She sought diligently among clouded memories of the time when she herself had met and spoken with Mary. She dared to call her this to herself. Once, she remembered, Mrs. Pettibone had come to church wearing a very beautiful blue silk dress and a hat with a plume of dark blue drooping almost to her shoulder. All during the sermon, 
she had feasted her eyes on the graceful figure at the close of the service she had hurried down from the choir loft hoping for an opportunity of speaking to the minister's wife as she passed out of church but mrs pettibone was already walking away beside her husband who bent his tall head to listen to something she was saying another time she had ventured to carry a bunch of the earliest arbutus to the parsonage mrs pettibone was ailing she had not been to church for a long time the minister himself had admitted the visitor and conducted her at once to his study where the invalid was lying on a sofa near the window just see mary what little miss philura has brought you he said arbutus and only this morning you were longing for some and miss philura blushing very much and feeling herself very plain and insignificant under the bright dark eyes of the minister's wife had surrendered the fragrant bunch of pink and white blossoms into fingers almost as fragile and delicate she remembered still the passion of delight which beamed in the thin face and the low cry of pleasure as she inhaled the exquisite wild breath of the flowers which in truth is unlike and far sweeter than any other sweet odour under the sun was it the memory of this little scene out of her vanished past or did she indeed catch the subtle fragrance of the hidden flowers there were woods near tall chestnuts and hickories clothing the crest of the hill behind the old eggleston farm no one lived in the house now and there was sure to be arbutus in bloom on the sun-warmed slope beyond the orchard the sun was still an hour above the horizon she would have time before hurrying home to prepare the late supper it was delightfully still and warm under the big trees the wind had fallen to a low murmur ineffably peaceful and soothing underfoot the dry leaves rustled pleasantly sending up clean penetrating odours of hidden mosses and the good black earth teeming with waking life mrs pettibone walked slowly her eyes bent upon the ground here perhaps beneath the shelter of sweeping evergreen boughs or yonder where the sun filtered through tangled branches of beech and hickory dropping to her knees she drew aside the warm coverlid that nature had spread above her darlings and then a low cry of rapture burst from her lips all along the ground lay the arbutus in long straggling sprays the small rough leaves of dull green starred with half-open clusters white as the vanished snows rosy pink as a baby's crumpled palm the true lover is she who gathers arbutus frugally severing the tough stem with due regard for the shallow fragile roots mindful too of the day when the sweetest of all wild flowers will be only a memory it was no greedy grasping hand that gathered the arbutus on the far hillside mrs pettibone's work-worn fingers touched the delicate blossoms tenderly detaching the fragrant sprays with a gentle firmness that destroyed no smallest rootlet then mindful of the reddening sun presaging a frosty night she drew the covering leaves over the unopened buds as she rose at last blossom-laden and meditating swift flight to the kitchen of the parsonage where she feared the fire might be dying a low sound as of suppressed weeping came to her ears for an instant her heart beat suffocatingly in her throat then all at once she saw coming towards her between the stems of the trees a girl 
the youth of the approaching figure was at once apparent something in its reckless abandonment to grief its wild hands beating the air suggested the futile rage of an angry child thwarted in some eager desire or too harshly punished for a trivial fault disjointed words mingled with the sobbing came distinctly to the startled listener i'll not bear it i'll not i'll not i can't i won't i'll run away anyway anywhere i'll kill myself before i submit mrs pettibone came forward quickly obviously this was only a child but a child in deep trouble my dear she said resolutely though her voice shook a little with the fright of that unlooked-for apparition what is the matter what has happened the girl stopped short staring with startled eyes at the small grey figure which seemed to have stepped forth from the greyer bowls of the hickories who are you she demanded angrily what are you doing how dare you come here spying it and listening did you hear what i said i heard enough to know that you are in trouble of some sort can't i help you if perhaps you have lost your way or lost my way how could i lose my way i live there she pointed to the house halfway down the slope oh i thought the place was unoccupied faltered the minister's little wife it has been for so long you know i was just gathering some arbutus but i haven't taken it all won't you take this the girl refused the flowers with a reckless gesture then she turned sharply i supposed i could be alone up here she muttered as she moved away won't you tell me your name my dear urged mrs pettibone really i am very sorry but i only wish you'd tell me oh, let me help you i know how it feels to be lonesome she added with a sudden inspiration if you are living in the old eggleston place you would be sure to find it lonely just at first but in summer it is beautiful the girl had paused half turning her head very soon now the orchards will be all in bloom went on mrs pettibone in her gentle voice and there are wild flowers quantities of them all about violets and pink azaleas and columbine and trilliums oh you will be sure to like it and if you don't mind telling me your name my dear the girl gulped down a recurrent sob i shall never like it here she muttered her red mouth drooping sullenly i hate the country but mother insisted i say she had no right to bring me here when i but surely you'll like it better after a while persisted mrs pettibone soothingly it isn't far to the village where there are plenty of young people you'll be going to school perhaps and then the girl's short upper lip lifted and trembled as if she were on the verge of a laugh school she echoed scornfully i see you think i'm a child well i'm not mrs pettibone sighed vaguely and then smiled you didn't tell me your name she murmured my name is sylvia sylvia cruden and i'm married i was crying because oh because i felt like it i'd stayed in that stuffy old house till i couldn't stand it another minute anybody would hate it 
and the way mother the girl was halfway down the steep slope her angry words trailing behind her like sparks from a flying engine mrs pettibone watched her perplexedly as she plunged recklessly through the underbrush fringing the orchard fence a moment later the wild figure had disappeared among the rambling outbuildings at the rear of the farmhouse mr pettibone was very cheerful and companionable that night as the two sat over their belated tea the convention he told his wife was more than usually interesting he had thought of her while the native missionary from india was describing the marriage customs of that far country and had really wished he had insisted upon her company to boston next time he concluded beaming kindly across the space of white tablecloth i shall not take no for an answer later while she cleared away the supper things she heard him moving about his study would he notice the arbutus on the writing-table she wondered and would he remember she was setting the cups on the pantry shelf her fingers trembling with an emotion akin to fear when she heard his swift step behind her some dear little friend of mine has been apriling he cried gaily was it you my dear End of chapter two